the book of Revelation. Welcome back to our series from prophecy and God speaking to the church today. I've often thought when I've read or read part of or studied or preached from the book of Revelation that maybe the most important question to meet is what is God saying to me today from the book of Revelation? We've come to this book as part of our series about prophecy. We looked for several weeks at different prophetic passages in the Old Testament and then especially in the book of Daniel. Then we moved over to the New Testament to the words of Jesus and especially Matthew chapter 24 and 25 and some incredible parables that he gave and talking about the future and his plan. The book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, it truly has a number of amazing messages and you can study it probably over and over and for years and years and every time you read from the book of Revelation, God could speak to you about something totally different. We've been looking forward since we began this study in prophecy to final fulfillment of God's plan, which is an important part of what the Bible tells us. And all along the way, especially in different parts of the scriptures, there's different things that God wants to say to us. And we've been focusing especially on moving toward the end of time. And what does God say to the church today in the midst of looking ahead to the future? Today I want to give somewhat of an a, uh, introduction to this great book, the book of Revelation. The whole idea of Revelation is the uncovering of God's plan so that we can see it. An unveiling. Different words have been used to describe it. I, I like the description that God is pulling back the curtain between man and God a little bit so that we can look into the heart of God and the mind of God, and the plan of God. The book of Revelation is one place, and we did look at other places too, where God pulls back that curtain and gives us an opportunity to see His plan for eternity. In verse 1, I'm sorry, verse 3 of chapter 1, we read these important words about the purpose of the, of the book. It says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart. What is written in it? Because the time is near. There are two things especially I'd like to highlight about this verse as we open up this study of the book of Revelation. Number one is the importance of cherishing, taking to heart what God says. Taking to heart. We all can hear the words. We all can open a book and read it or read it on our phone or see it. But that's not what gets you connected to God. It is taking in what God says and letting it work inside of you, inside of your heart, inside of your mind, inside of your spirit, inside of your challenges, inside of your life circumstances, inside of the good that's going on in your life and and the part that's going on in your life, it's difficult. It's when we take in God's Word and it speaks to our heart and we take it to heart that God can help us and change us and fashion us and mold us and make us into what He wants us to be. And so this opening passage of Revelation is so key. 
really to the book of Revelation, but also to all our study of the Bible and what you believe about God, what you have heard all your life and you may be focused on or may not, or what you hear when you open up to any passage in the Bible. The question is not, did you look at it or did you read it, but are you taking it to heart? Is something inside of you saying, I want this to apply to my life. I want to hear the Spirit of God. Later on in Revelation, not today, but we read that term, the spirits of God, the Holy Spirit. And when we read the Bible, and when we come to church, and when we do any time that we read and study our Scriptures, are we saying, God, take it to my heart. Apply it to my heart. The second thing I want to highlight there, I underline there, because the time is near. I've talked about during this whole series of prophecy the, the idea of time, and, and it could come soon. And, and you know, from the, the, the early days of the church, every generation has sensed that the time is near. And every generation, theologians talk about it. It'll be before I'm gone. It's been that way, and in a sense, the church always lives in the last days. We see it that way, and we say everything has happened that we can think of so that, and I've said several times now in the last two months, there's nothing out there I know of that needs to happen before the rapture comes. I just, I don't know what it would be as I read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15 or, or scriptures that talk about the rapture specifically, and I don't know that there's anything out there that needs to happen before the Lord returns. Just as every date in human history is a certain year, a certain month, a certain day, a certain hour, so will the things that take place in the book of Revelation. And Jesus mentioned that in Matthew chapter 24 when he said, it will be like in the days of Noah. People will be working and marrying and doing all kinds of things. They didn't believe it would happen, but it did. And on a certain day, the flood came. In the same way, the beginning of the book of Revelation, as we get to chapter 4 and we look at the, the opening of these events that uh, we think of, we, we call the end of time or the end times or whatever word you use to do that, um, we, we realize that the day could be soon, the day could be today, the day could be in our lifetime. It, 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 it's so possible. Um, well, the book of Revelation in this verse also speaks to me about God's purpose for the book. Why the book of Revelation? What, what does it say? And I've talked about this a little bit before, but three statements that I want to say about God's purpose in the book of Revelation is the book of Revelation helps us to have a clearer mission of what the church is and what God wants for the church. It can help us to have a stronger faith when we look to the God who gives us this incredible book and all the power and the history that goes into it, it can help us to, to look more further toward what God has said and what God is going to do. And I pray that our whole series, I pray that everything we do in this church would help us to focus on being ready and being about the things that God wants us to and to have in our hearts a desire to help each other along on the journey, to be an encourager, to help people wherever they're at, to find the Lord, to move toward the Lord, to come back to the Lord, to seek the Lord, to make Him Lord. God wants the Scriptures and the book of Revelation to draw us to Him. 
I'd like to read the first chapter of Revelation today, verses 1 through 20. So I want to invite you to turn there and read, if you would like to, these incredible words. It's a lot to read. It's a lot to think about. And I'd imagine if, if you're like me, you'll hear something and your mind will go to that. You might not hear anything else as you're thinking about. But listen to this opening chapter of this great book of Revelation. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. To the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from his sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. The book of Revelation, 22 chapters long, we just read the first one, is revealed in the voice of Jesus. He is the primary communicator, speaker, the one who gives us the vision. Although others speak in the book of Revelation 
Almost all of Revelation is given directly from the person, the revelation of Jesus Himself. Much of the book of Revelation is about Jesus Himself. We're told here in verse 1 or verse 1 and 2 that, that the revelation is from Jesus Christ, which God gave Him. And so, the words come to John in the person of Jesus but they were given from God the Father or God, if you want to say the Trinity, to Jesus to reveal to John about what was going to happen. And so you have this communication that comes from the throne of God, the person of the Father, the Father, uh, the Father God to His Son. And then later, we'll read of the role of the Holy Spirit in the revelation of the book of Revelation as uh, as the Holy Spirit also has a role in telling us what Jesus has done and what God the Father has planned for all of eternity. And so in the book of Revelation, I want to say, is clearly the doctrine and the presence of the Trinity and our understanding of the triune nature of God and God expressed in three forms, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit bringing together human history in the same way as you go back to the book of Genesis and you read of the three persons of the Godhead in the expression of creation. God the Father, Jesus who spoke the world into creation, and the Spirit that moved and, and made things and, and changed things and inhabited the earth at different times. The Holy Spirit's role is very, very important in the book of the Revelation, in this great book, as is the Father, as is the Son. Together, the Trinity of God brings about this conclusion of human history. All we understand is human history. That's all I think we have the real capability of concept of, of really having in our hearts is human history, time. But God is bringing to an end time. And this book of Revelation is his sewing together the plan and giving us a little bit of how he's going to do that. We're also told not only is it from Jesus, given by God the Father, but also who is it given to? It's given to the church. The purpose of Revelation is for us to hear it, to show his servants what must soon take place. Again, a reference to time, soon. What does God mean by soon? The church is always at that point of the next step being the coming of Christ, the rapture of the church, to show His servants, to show you something about the nature of God and the plan of God. We know that the book of Revelation is given through John. He made it known by sending His angel to His servant, John. Why did God choose John? Who knows why God chose John? We know that John was, as far as we know, John was, he's called the beloved disciple, the one that Jesus gave the care of his Mary mother to. John was with Jesus, the, the inner circle of three, uh, many, many times. And we know from church history that as best we know, if that is true, what has been passed on is John is the only apostle not known to have been martyred and probably the last apostle uh, uh, to die. John may have been 
not sure, John may have been the last living eyewitness of Jesus as an adult. I don't know about children, and, and I don't mean that he outlived everybody in his generation, but as far as we know, in the body of the church, John was the last one. And God gave him this very much toward the end of his life. He's an old man now. And God speaks and gives uh, this revelation to John. Why? Well, one thing we know for sure is that John was an eyewitness. John was an eyewitness from Jesus' ministry from the very earliest days when God or Jesus called Peter, James, and John, and the others to be his disciples. He was with him through that whole time. He was with him through Jesus' ministry. He was there when he was nailed to the cross. The only one we know of for sure that was there. He was there for the resurrection, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, and all through those days of the early church, and uh, 20, 30, 40 years until this time comes when the book of Revelation is given to John. John has been entrusted with an amazing amount of responsibilities. Well, the book of Revelation is all about Jesus. Uh, and I don't mean every verse is about Jesus. Some is about God the Father. Some is about heaven. Some is about those uh, Christians and those that are on the earth about judgment. But uh, the book of Revelation, I should say, certainly, primarily is about who Jesus is and what He is and what He came to do. The focus uh, is on uh, Jesus, the description of Him and His life and ministry. And so, especially in chapter 1 and chapter 2 and then chapter 4, we have repeated descriptions of the role of Jesus in the plan of God. Uh, and, and so if you, if you want to develop theology about who Jesus is and his uh, personhood and his power and his role, these chapters in, in Revelation are so helpful. So there's so many descriptions. Let me just name a few. One is this, who is and was and is to come. It's kind of a, a mysterious statement. Who was who is, who was, and is to come. We'll look at that a little bit more. Firstborn from the dead. He freed us from our sins. He's the one that sets us free from the consequences of sin. Uh, he's coming again. Revelation, of course, talks about the second coming and His role to come back. Not just about His first coming and being here, but that He is coming again. And... Uh, the description that we read in chapter 1, the Alpha and the Omega, the idea that He was in the beginning in the book of Genesis and in the end in the book of Revelation. It isn't that Jesus came along in the middle and was born in Bethlehem, but He was from the beginning and will always be for all of eternity, Jesus, the Alpha and Omega, the mission, His purpose, His power, these are just a few of the descriptions in the book of Revelation, but if you want to enjoy who Jesus is and the magnitude and the wonder of Jesus, Revelation is such a beautiful book to study and to hear. His mission, His purpose, His power, and especially the power of His death and resurrection. All related to each of these things, but the book of Revelation very clearly, God gave to Jesus, Jesus gave to John, and John gives to us very clearly the importance of His death and resurrection. 
uh, as is stated in the Gospels late, and then in Paul's writing especially, what is it that happened when Jesus was resurrected? In the book of Revelation, it gives us more about that. If you have your Bible still open, look at verse 17 and 18 in Revelation chapter 1 and, and, and listen to, again, a little bit of the, the, the purpose of this book. I am the living one. I was dead. And now, look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. So here in this first chapter, we're told that the significance that Jesus is alive it's not just a casual fact, but it is a life-altering, changing reality of spiritual life that Jesus rose from the dead. And so he has power over death. He has power over the grave. And he holds the keys of death and hell. Death and the realm of the dead. Jesus has that. And so as we look through Revelation, we're seeing... Uh, we're reading from someone who has power over death and power over death for all of eternity and the, the power to raise us from the dead and from those that have died from the beginning of Adam's day until that last moment of the, the conflict in, in Revelation chapter 20. Jesus has the power to raise from the dead every single person. And Revelation says that many times in many places. The book of Revelation is full of symbols. We all know that if we have read Revelation. And, and some of them are, are a little bit easier to, to, to see and understand the context. And others are, are harder. And, and uh, uh, it's just full of, of uh, symbolism. Some of them have literal meanings. Uh, and others uh, are more understood in the future fulfillment. And even what those symbols are. Uh, will be shown to us as God fulfills chapters 4 through 20 and all those things. Some of them are obvious and some of them are rooted in the symbols of the book of Daniel and the Old Testament and prophecies of the Old Testament. It's amazing how many of the, of the symbols in the book of Revelation are found in the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel, especially Daniel, but Ezekiel and some of the prophets, Zechariah, for example, and Joel, for example, especially in relation to the day of Pentecost and the work of the Holy Spirit through time. The book of Revelation is full of symbolism and meaning and uh, future fulfillment. Listen, let me just read a few of the symbols. And, and, uh, and, and I know if you've read this, you, you've heard many of them, but the seven stars, the morning star, the keys of David, the living creatures, the four horses and their riders, the fallen star, the woman and the child, the time, times and half a time, the beast out of the sea, the waters, the harlot, the ten horns. Again, I just read ten or so out of 30 to 35 that are in the book of Revelation and they're all vivid and strong. And again, they would have had a quicker connection to the Jewish people and the early church than they are to us because we're separated by 2,000 years. But every one of those symbols that is given in the book of Revelation had a meaning to the church in the early church. Some of them are evident to us now and some are not quite as evident. These symbols show us the breath of God's creativity. Uh, and the book of Revelation 
in general, is just incredible evidence of the mind of God that is far above us. And yet he opens the curtain a little bit so that we can see. We can see into his mind as he looks toward the end of human history. What's going to all happen in eternity after human history is over? We know some things, but oh man, there could be... Uh, there, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there will be so many things about eternity that we have no possible idea right now of what they are. But God's creativity and His power and His ability to create uh, worlds are just amazing to me. And the book of Revelation just gives us just a little bit of that. But it should help us to see the power and the glory and the majesty of God in the symbols that we come across beginning in chapter 1 and going to the end of, of the book. Another thing about the book of Revelation that I want to, to mention today is the dominance of the number 7. If you've read the book of Revelation, you may have noticed or picked up how often the number 7 is in the book of Revelation. You might wonder, well, why is that? Why is 7 found so many times in the book of Revelation? There are other numbers of great significance too. I mean, it's not just that's the only number. 12 and 24 and 70 and, and other three and other. But when you look at the number of times that the number seven is in the book of Revelation, I think, at least for me, it makes me think, wonder why? Why is it that seven is there so often? Well, you may know that seven, uh, clearly woven into the book, to the Jews represented completion. That something was being finished. Completed. That's part of their Jewish theology I've read. That to the Jews, when they heard the number seven associated with the prophecy, they believed that something was coming to an end. And so the fact that, uh, that seven is found so many times in the book of Revelation to them would have been communicating to them that there was a sense of the the closing of something. And they would have understand, the early Jews especially, the early church would have gotten more out of that, that idea of seven than we might think of when we just see that number so many times. The number seven is found, I believe, about 55 times in the book of Revelation. Think about that. 55 times in this 22 chapters do you have seven of something, seven of this. For example, you have, and I'm going to read a few, Seven churches, seven lampstands, seven stars, seven seals on the scroll, seven angels, seven trumpets, seven bowls of the last seven plagues, seven thunders, a dragon with seven heads, seven kings. Again, 55 or so times you have a reference to seven in the book of Revelation. Uh, that may not mean a lot to us other than curiosity, but think of what it meant to the early church and to the Jewish people where they had this idea that seven meant God was moving. God was coming. God was bringing to an end this time and this era. And then we have this term that I mentioned earlier. The term was, is, and is to come. Found in Daniel, as well as here in the book of Revelation, that somehow God is speaking to us about the past, the present, and the future. And when I think of the book of Revelation, I think how 
true the book of Revelation is to this term. The book of Revelation is about the past. It's about what Jesus has done since the beginning of eternity to be the one that's come to die for the sins of the world. The past. What Jesus was. Chapter 1 that I read has many references to Jesus and what He has done. What He has become. What He has accomplished was. And then we have the section in Revelation is the church. The seven churches named here. Asia Minor. Lord willing, next week I'm going to talk generally about the seven churches. Was. Is. I think the is part applies not only to seven churches in Asia Minor, but it includes seven churches in Mifflinburg and Lewisburg and everywhere around the world. We live in the day of Revelation chapter 2 and 3. That's the is, I believe. Today, God speaks to this church through the seven churches. And whatever we read in them, whatever it says to you from God's Spirit, those are given to us today. About today. I believe about my faith. About this church. About this generation. About our struggles. About the good that takes place. His church. His seven churches. See, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is speaking to the churches. It's His voice. And He says it several times. To the seven churches, grace and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come. See, Jesus already did all the, the work the churches and now it's our time to live in the work of what Jesus has done was is and then is to come the rest of the book of Revelation kind of beginning in chapter 4 although there's references in and out of the is and the is to come and the was it's not when I divide it up it's real clear one two three but it's pretty packaged for us From chapter 4 on, it's about what is to come. What's going to happen in the future? Is is about today. It's about the church today and our soul. Our listening. Whether we're hot or cold or lukewarm. Whether or not we can back up from where we're not pleasing to God or, or, or not. What is the seven churches? Every time I read those two chapters, it kind of hits me about what kind of church am I? What kind of a Christian am I? Which one of those seven, or which combination of the seven probably am I? What, what combination of those seven is this church? Mifflinburg, Nazarene, in our strengths and in our weaknesses. And what does Jesus say today? So, if this is your church home, great. I would just encourage you to think about chapter 2 and 3 and maybe read them and say, God, what do you say to me 
What do you say to me, church? What do you say to this church? If you're part of another church family, wherever you're at, say, God, help me to take to heart the words of this book and this prophecy. Was, is, and is to come. This is a very basic outline of the book of Revelation. People outline it very different. But this is kind of how I've chosen to think about it. The first chapter which we focused on this morning is about the Messiah and who Jesus was. And again, this doesn't categorize everywhere, but in general, you want to read the descriptions of who Jesus is, go to chapter 1 and just let them wash over your faith. Let them build your vision of who Jesus is and His incredible, incredible ability to meet the needs in your life. Second section, chapter 2 and 3, the church today, somewhere in these seven churches is where we're at. And you got this kind of undefined long time period from 4 to 20 or something like that. It talks about the second coming of Jesus and the millennium in chapter 20 and all these terms that we've heard much of our lives or some of our lives and that whole time process of the end times and there's a lot in there, boy, the symbolism and all the things to sort out the timetable and, and the end times. And then you have the last two chapters of the Bible is about eternity. What is eternity and what will life be like for those that are redeemed, are saved by the blood of the Lamb? Chapter 21 and 22 are chapters to be cherished in the Bible. All of these are. Chapter 21 and 22 has almost unspeakable things in them. When I say unspeakable, unthinkable, unfar above where I live. I live here. Oops. I live here on the earth. I'm very human. It's hard to get a hold of eternity sometimes, but chapter 21 and 22, wow. They will help you to get a hold of eternity. And God's beautiful picture and plan and purpose. Revelation gives us a glimpse into heaven. A little, a lot, confusing, profound, mysterious. It does give us a glimpse into heaven. The idea of reunion. The idea of no more pain. The idea of human purpose and meaning. A glimpse, a little bit. Book of Revelation gives us some incredible pictures of worship. Worship. We all have a different idea of what worship is. is. And at best, even the best person, whoever you might think is the best worshiper in the whole world, I really have a feeling that we just take a, a little shot at it. 
boy, when you read the book of Revelation, you realize there's something amazing out there. Heaven, for what can be said about it, is absolutely incredible and amazing. The worship that is there. The ideas that we hold on to and cherish, but we're not sure about. Another thing that Revelation gives us is an incredible picture of creatures. And you think, well, what's significant about that? When we study the book of Revelation, as we have a little bit in Daniel and other places, we've had an incredible look at creatures. Go on to that next slide, if you would, please. And there's a lot of them. I talked about the symbolism. I talked about the variety of, of pictures. But when you just put together on paper the creatures or the, the beings might be better. Heavenly beings might be a better term. I don't know. There's a lot of them. Some of them are so out there and fanciful that you just wonder what in the world could God be describing when you read the book. Well, every one of them are literal. They're not, I believe every one of the creatures described are literal creatures. And you think, well, how can that be? Well, let me tell you, you just look at the animal kingdom and the variety that's there and God made it. Do you think God, you think God's limited to what he put on the earth? When he made 23 and 21 zero stars, 21, I don't remember the, the name. How many stars are there? How many stars might have planets? Uh, you look into a, a microscope and you look at the smallest of possible humans can see into a microscope. And you have design and life. You go from the furthest away to the deepest within and you have the creativity of an amazing God. Who knows what heaven's really going to be like? For no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has created for those that love Him. Can you imagine the creativity of God I kind of want to close almost one more thing. But I just want you to think about the creativity of God in the book of Revelation. How powerful and amazing the creative power of God is. And yet that same God gave us Jesus who was and is and is to come. Incredible. The last thing I want to say this morning about the book of Revelation is the importance of the Lamb of God. Having that idea deep within our faith, the Lamb, and what that means. We talk about the power and creativity of God, but can you also think about how God wants to relate to us? That God's nature, for however we try to understand it, is holy and just. It's without sin. But He made us with a choice so that we could choose whether or not to believe in Him or not. The mystery of free will. God allows us to decide whether or not we respond to Him. And in order to make that possible, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world.
What an incredible thought to me. The creativity of God, the Lamb of God. Amazing. Next Sunday, I'm planning to overview a little bit the seven churches. So if you can join us, that's great. I'm glad you're here today. Hope you'll have a great week. Hope to see you Wednesday night. I hope to see you tonight or sooner. Who knows? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this incredible chapter in the book of Revelation. There's so much to think about and focus on and dwell on. I thank you for the creativity of God. I thank you for the plan of God. I thank you for the love of God that you sent your Son to be the Lamb. Help us, God, not to take that for granted or that He rose from the dead and He holds the power over death and hell. God, help our faith to be strengthened. Help our eyes to be set even more securely on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, I pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you.